everybody, Steve Kay here. Welcome to the Daily Reflection Podcast. This works if I work it. It's not an intellectual program. Just knowing this book front to back is not going to uh, resolve a single issue in my life. And trust and safety is the key to growing for me. I love what AA has given to me, and I realize that what I've received from AA can only continue to grow if I give back what I was given. Welcome to the Daily Reflection Podcast. My name is Michael Lynn from Philadelphia, Pennsylvania. And I'm Lee McGinnis from Leesburg, Virginia. As members of the recovery community, we created this podcast as a way to provide experience, strength, and hope through the lens of the Daily Reflection book. Each day, we interview members of the recovery community in the hope that their experience may provide inspiration. We value inclusion and diversity, and we really want to provide a platform for all the voices of recovery. We aren't affiliated with any 12-step or recovery program, but you may hear these mentioned throughout the course of an interview. Hey, before we get to the show, I'd like to ask a favor. If you're listening on Apple Podcasts, it'd be great if you could leave us a comment or a rating. This is going to do a couple of things. It's going to help us expand our reach and improve the show. We hope you enjoyed this episode. So today is May 5th, and we have Steve Kay coming to us today from your hometown, Philadelphia, Pennsylvania, here to talk to us about the daily reflection for today, which is the forest and the trees. Fantastic. Well, Steve, welcome to the show. It's great to have you on the podcast. Thank you. So, Steve, we get started in the same way every day. We ask the guests to read the daily reflection for the day. Would you help us get started and and read that? Sure. May 5th. The forest and the trees. What comes to us alone may be garbled by our own rationalization and wishful thinking. The benefit of talking to another person is that we can get his direct comment and counsel of our situation. 12 Steps and 12 Traditions, page 60. I cannot count the times when I've been angry and frustrated and said to myself, I can't see the forest. For the trees. I finally realized that what I needed when I was in such pain was someone who could guide me in separating the forest and the trees, who could suggest a better path to follow, who could assist me in putting out fires and help avoid the rocks and the pitfalls. I ask God when I'm in the forest to give me the courage to call upon a member of AA. Well, thanks for uh, reading, Steve. And before we get started, what's your sobriety date? July 15th in the year 2000. Wow. As I read this, I think uh, I think of so many things. I'm curious what comes to mind for you. I'm thinking about not listening to my sponsor in the early days and not wanting to be fully disclosed what was really going on. And, you know, specifically, I remember the first in Philadelphia, we have a, uh, a tradition here for Thanksgiving where they open up uh, one of the meeting rooms for everyone in the whole city to come and, you know, many people from my home group and go, and I couldn't tell anybody that uh, I had no place to go and I didn't go, you know, completely lost in the forest about, you know, connecting being such an important thing. And I never missed it after that year, though. Connection is so important. So tell me a little bit about what was happening that drove you into the rooms. I was... uh Falling apart from the inside out is what, you know, I, I, I just, I'm going to say this huge forest that I was fighting through. And I, I, I didn't even have any clue that I was fighting through a forest. Everybody in my life was uh, not happy with me. 
a lot of discontent with family, girlfriends, employers, uh, educational institutions, landlords. If you came in contact with me um, at some point, it was going to be an issue. And, uh, and it was starting to hurt when I came to the pain of all that. And I would just get loaded to deal with it all, you know? So it was a reason to, to stay drunk and high all the time because of all these people and situations. If you had these situations, you'd be drunk and high all the time too. What made you decide you needed to make a change? Well, I'm going to say the higher power made a decision for me, at least to get to my first meeting. I, uh, I was working in a company that had two people in it, me and, a, and the owner of a company. And I, uh, at the time, I was a software programmer, and uh, it was just me, he and I, and we just got wasted every day and, and developed the business. So my world had gotten that small and convenient. But even that got so frustrating one day that I, I quit that job, and, and I, I answered the phones, too, and we hired a guy to answer the phones, and uh, I left that work situation for about 90 days. And uh, when I came back, that man that we'd hired unbeknownst to me, I was sober eight and a half years and made a suggestion that maybe I could check out AA based on the, what he was observing from my interactions with him in the business and what he had heard from my employer or the person who was employing me. So I got this little nudge and uh, I went to my first meeting and I, for the first time in my life, I realized that there were other people in the world that had scrambled eggs like me and uh, they were talking about it. That's how I got to my first meeting. I got woke in AA or about AA. Yeah. Was that, was that painful? Um, you know, coming to realize that other people had kind of seen your behavior. Yeah. I was uh, in a suicidal state. I didn't want them to see it anymore. You know, I, you know, granted on the outside, they were seeing something different. It was on the inside, but I couldn't fake it uh, much longer. I was in, Intense pain that I wouldn't wish on anyone at that time when I came in. Incomprehensible pain. I can relate to that incomprehensible demoralization that you can't see often on the outside. And, you know, we're in the fifth month. The Daily Reflection is really talking about sharing our true nature, our true selves with somebody else and helping us sort of differentiate truth from the false of it all. How was that process for you? Like, because you're talking about sort of living a lie and living not to your true self. And then all of a sudden you're talking to somebody else about all these things. How was that for you? Well, initially, like I said, I was not willing to, but to, to let everything out all at once. But it was a relief to tell at least some of these war stories that people could relate to. And I could say out loud what was really happening. Crazy stuff was going on with my family. I mean, specifically, you know, I know this is an out on issue, but my father's statement to me when I told him I was in AA is that I better not talk about him. It was amazing having a, uh, a sounding board for that. I don't want to say people laughed at me, but they kind of laughed when they heard that, like, welcome, you know, like uh, many of us have that uh, same dynamic in our lives where uh, the family was too worried about, you know, the image that was coming on them not the fact that I was dying. That can be difficult to deal with. Relationships are really difficult, especially when you're trying to get sober. So was your, your father was an alcoholic? My dad, I'm going to say was a little bit of a garbage head, but he, you know, he's a full-blown cocaine addict when I was in high school. 
Um, and he decided to uh, stop pay- stealing from every entity in his life and stop paying bills for four years and just travel and party while I was in high school. This was, is what it, it felt like. And, uh, and I was part of his supply chain, and I'll just leave it at that. Do you feel like it might be hereditary? Do you feel like you might have gotten some of those tendencies from him? You know, the longer I stayed sober, the more I realized I was just like him, even sober. <laughs> I was mm-hmm. like him. I was finally willing to admit that uh, the, the fruit doesn't fall far from the tree. And uh, yeah, I was just like him, even though I had this great disdain for him. Yeah, it's interesting. You're bringing up like a topic that uh, is near and dear to my heart, too, which is that this is a family disease, you know, like it's never just one person affected by it. And I'm kind of curious and I'm skipping ahead and we can go back. But, you know, how has the program of recovery because you're 21 now, I think, right? You're 20. Um, How has the program of recovery that we participate in here helped you with these family dynamics? Well, I could give you one story. My father was kind of having a crazy, okay, bottoming out in his life. And I was two years sober and uh, he called me for help. Never asked me for help in his life. He was, he was suicidal. He was nuts. And as a result of me being sober, I said, you know what? I got to call you back. I don't know what to tell you to do. You know, like it was the instant response and calling my sponsor and him giving a very simple answer, like, tell your dad to go to the closest hospital he's at and check in. Like, so my, my family uh, started to ask me for help. I'll just say, and at this point, my father may rest in peace and the rest of the family's in some sort of recovery at this point. As amazing as that, I, I wound up being the, the leader into recovery. Oh, that's amazing. So in some ways, do you feel like you're giving your family hope that there's, there's hope for, for folks with this disease? Yeah. And I guess it kind of starts with some vocabulary too. Like, you know, we didn't realize these words even exist or that, yeah, that there is hope. And, uh, you know, I got relationships back in my family that I thought would never, ever, ever occur, you know, on any kind of level. And I, today from this place, I realized it was about me needing to do the work, not about them changing. Tell me about those relationships. Um, I know that you're you're close to your brother now, and that wasn't always the case. Tell me about how that came back together. Well, my brother in my 16th year of sobriety finally asked me what I was doing. It wasn't initially about recovery. It would become recovery. But I had done some work that he became curious of, and uh, and he went and did this process. He would take me out to dinner after this on the third day of this process and cry his eyes out, man, and, and, and admit that he had been a complete asshole to me my entire life, crying his eyes out, this nice restaurant, swearing it would never be like that again. And uh, that wouldn't be the truth, but it was a huge breakthrough. You know, it's been a work in progress still. It has not been perfect. You know, listening to you talking about this, it just reminds me how higher power, the universal energy, whatever is at work in all the things. And that, you know, from misery and darkness can come radical change, like probably for generations to come. It's like you broke the chain. And that's really powerful to think about because you talked about where you were before and now you're, you've been the catalyst for 
huge change, which who knows how it's going to impact the world, you know, for generations. I don't know. That just hit me as, as like an incredible gift. What do you think about that? I'm just thinking is you're saying that about my sister inviting me to watch her kids when she, you know, she first got divorced and like, that doesn't happen when I'm not sober, you know, she doesn't ask me to come and stay her house and get her kids off to school. Like, you know, beyond comprehension and ironically she's the last one to come into recovery but she's in she said she's now 95 percent right about everything she might be five percent wrong about something but before she was wrong about nothing you, you can't buy that you know we've talked quite a bit i don't think we've ever really gone to the subject of our our individual conceptions of a higher power you want to talk a little bit about what your conception of a higher power is and and how you know, like the daily reflection says, you know, God can help you through that forest and give you the courage. Tell me a little bit about that. I'm the educated variety around the, the uh, and I'm a believer in, in discipline of spiritual practice. It would start with going to a morning connection where people would get together and do morning prayers and whatnot. But ultimately for me, my ultimate belief is that when things are not going quite right, my prayer is to look over my right shoulder and ask this infinite power, what am I supposed to learn? So my concept of God is going to this, this source that knows better than I, which usually leads to a phone call. You know, it's time to call somebody. It's time to put that, uh, that, that initial belief around God is that, um, is that I am not God. I don't have to be structured in a religious organization to have this powerful God. And uh, when I'm not in the way and I'm present, uh, it works. This power works much better in my life. And I can't explain it other than it is when I let it. Yeah. I don't think I can explain it either, but do you have some examples of how that has shown up in your life? Like, can you point to some, some places where you're like, that probably was a higher power thing? Yeah, I could say a couple of things. There's a higher power. Uh, one was a big letting go thing. Like when I went to the first, my first AA international was in Toronto. And my higher power uh, <laughs> worked in mysterious ways. You know, I was supposed to get a, have a, a room to stay on um, the first night I got there. And I was supposed to meet somebody and I couldn't meet him. And, or I could, didn't catch up. And I insisted on carrying my little bit of... Uh, a piece of my luggage and and looking for uh the person and i didn't and i didn't find them and i think it wound up putting me in a mindset of connecting with that with that uh with that convention that it wouldn't have occurred and uh in this particular case it's an internal feeling that i had as a result of the experience by not finding that person not sleeping in a bed and and not connecting with certain people that i would have connected with as a result of that I can't even begin to explain that one. But other circumstances are like with work situations, you know, where, you know, I would have torn the building down and burnt it down to the ground because somebody was doing something to me. This concept of reaching out to another person and being settled around that is a power that I can't comprehend. You know, good order of direction is, is the, uh, the term I like to use because in my world, I just either pounce and beat the shit out of something or run. I don't have too good of it in between, especially early on. I'm getting better. 
and getting better. My relationship with my brother is, is, is the greatest example of that it does not happen if I don't let this power come in. So with 20 years, that's a, an incredible achievement. What are you doing today to, to give it away? Do you help other men? Um, are you in service? Yeah, I am in service as much as possible. You know, this week I'm just doing CPC again. You know, I, I mentor men, I sponsor men. I'm going tomorrow with a, a friend of ours that makes a commitment every Sunday to go and uh, give food to people. It's not it's not just about drunks today. It's about being in service in, in my uh, in my community. But I would say through you know sponsoring men. And, you know, supporting others through phone calls and just letting people, um, I don't know, listen to my experience, strength and hope of how things didn't work. You know, I, I think I have an uncanny ability of explaining to someone how something didn't work for me when they're trying to work some, through something and uh, when they can't see it. You know, I, I, you know, I can explain how I, I, I did that. So on a regular basis, I, I, I talk to alcoholics, you know, I, I. I reinforce my program. That's that's what I do. I'm going through the steps again with the sponsor, which my sponsor has 14 years on me, and he claims that it's giving him benefit to be able to go through the steps with me also. So it's not just a newcomer thing. You know, it's uh, the alcoholic that still suffers is uh, not necessarily always a newcomer either. So you're talking about going through the steps again with a sponsor at 20 years. I find that uh, impressive that, you know, one of the, great things about our program is the humility that we develop where we we realize hey maybe I can learn something new and you know the the benefit of talking to another person like a sponsor is that we can get direct comment and counsel on our situations and are you using your sponsor and other men in the program that way to get direct input on life challenges and when i open up about those things i don't want to talk about that's i i get movement every single time the insanity of being 20 years sober and knowing that that's going to occur and still not doing it lets me know lets me know that this disease is still alive and well in me and still wants to repress and deny certain situations well it's interesting you say that after 20 years you're not cured you still feel like you still have this thing what we get is a daily reprieve tell me what you might want to let the newcomers know Oh, I always want to let newcomers know that they have a choice. And uh, I always are asked the question, you know, do you want to go back to where you, you were? I don't want to go back to, you know, and I can tell them where I was. And, I, you know, like some of those things I told in the beginning about, you know, getting here. This works if I work it. It's not an intellectual program. Just knowing this book front to back is not going to uh, resolve a single issue in my life. And trust and safety is the key to growing for me. I pray that they get to that place where they feel trust and they feel safe to, you know, to walk through the next barrier. I also share my experience, a lot of denial that, you know, maybe the work ultimately needs to be done. We can't even begin to talk about it yet because don't even know what it is. And that's okay too. There's no right or wrong here. There's no good or bad. You know, there's uh is moving forward in this process. That's, that's what I would tell a newcomer every time. Love it. No right or wrong. Just show up one day at a time. So as we begin to wrap the episode, this has been a 
fantastic conversation and just want to thank you for stepping up and being willing to do this with us. Um, is there any, any final thought, anything you want to make sure our listeners hear? I love what AA is, has given to me. And, and I realize from my heart that what I've received from AA can only continue to grow if I give back what I was given. I can't reiterate that enough. And I do forget, unless I forget, I believe that um, the work pays off as I continue, not as I know. As soon as I say I know, I'm hitting the wall again. Steve, it's been a great conversation. Thanks so much for sharing your experience, strength, and hope. Thank you for having me. Thanks for coming. Great conversation. Thanks so much for listening. If you want to find us online, you can follow us on Facebook at facebook.com slash groups slash Daily Reflection Podcast. You can find us on Twitter at Daily Reflector. You can read stories of recovery from our community at blog.dailyreflectionpodcast.com. Please don't forget to give us a rating on your podcast app. We greatly appreciate it. Have a great day. This podcast produced by Lee McGinnis and Michael Lynn. Audio editing services by Jeff Bain.